Okay, it's a super special birthday week. Why do you ask? Because it's my birthday this week. So if you're celebrating my birthday this week as your birthday, well, happy birthday. So here you go. Here is this week's birthdays on Something New Every Week. Starting backwards, we're going to go with Frank Martinez, Shane Thompson, Lauren Chapman, Joe Craig, Rachel Elkind, happy, happy birthday. Paul Kondritz, Brielle Chapman, happy birthday. Dan ba- Dan Bayado, Lisa Lacoumpe, Vincent Wang, John Branch, Dan McClanahan, your birthday's coming up. Happy birthday, dude. Kelly Schreier-Mercer, Hannah Theme, Eric O'Connor, Alan Murabashi, happy birthday, dude. Anne Young, Stephanie Robles, Jamie Hankin, one of my original mentors, one of the first people who taught me about photography, uh, and I wouldn't be wouldn't have had the career that I've had without Jamie. So happy birthday, dude! I hope you're well. Carolyn Deckinger, Alejandra Gutierrez, Kleber Stevenson, Scott Rutch, local neighbor, friend of ours, Ilana Natasha Barov. Happy birthday, Sasha Leah. Oh man, Leovichenko. I think that's how you pronounce your name. Happy birthday, dude. Rahil Gauba. These people celebrate the same birthday as me. Brian Bastinelli, Kelly Tunney, Veronica YJ Park, John Shim, Dana Gallagher, Paulette Francois Nichelle, Melissa Ortiz, Jessica Drake, Dustin Cohen, Chad Pennington, Katie Marie, Rosora Sandoval, Olivia Osrin, Chris Watts, Brittany Smith, Z. Zay Wang Wong, Andy Katz, and Rick Rios. Happy birthday week, January 19th, today when I'm recording this, or actually January 20th. Happy birthday, everyone. Happy, happy birthday. Let's move on to the show. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in to Something New Every Week with your host, me, Jason Group. Each week, I'm going to give you something new that's happening in our photographic world. Just some great conversations with my friends and what's going on right now. Something new every week is sponsored by Miller's Lab. Miller's Professional Imaging is the largest professional lab organization in the United States. They provide professional prints and press products for professional photographers in all 50 states and Canada. And they're just a great company. If you don't know them, go check them out, millerslab.com. Welcome to this week's episode of Something New Every Week. This week, I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright. What's from, up? Yeah, say hello. Where You're in Florida. And, I'm in Bradenton, yep. And uh, we start this episode, every one of them like, oh, you're where? Or like, you know, it would take me two seconds to look up exactly where you were. So you're uh, in, just that's central Florida, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's the Gold Coast, as we call it, where I'm okay. just 45 minutes south of Tampa. Nice. So we, we went from being in Richmond, Virginia, where the white stuff was snow, to being down here where the white stuff is sand. <laughs> so most people probably, have, well, everybody knows Tampa, but a lot of people have heard of uh, Siesta Key, which is the number one beach in America. So I'm right that. at Siesta Key. Anna okay. Maria Island, all those different areas. Eh, I'm right by the ocean, or the Gulf, not the <sighs> ocean. So. I tell you what, living in the Midwest, I am miss. I definitely miss the ocean, and it's so weird. It's that smell. It's that smell that comes, you know, because in New York you would still get, you know, an ocean breeze now and again. Most of the time, it didn't smell very good, but um, <laughs> it's still there. And and you know, depending on which way the wind was blowing, you know, and generally, I never lived too far from you know a big body of water, whether it was you know the Hudson River or something like that. But yeah, being here. 
there's no there's no salt water smell ever ever you know here well, there's just something calming about being near water you know yes. we're what like 90 percent water or something our body you make i don't know the percentage but we're we're some crazy amount make up of water so like we're drawn to it so yeah. it's just kind of to be near it and when you can put your feet in sand on christmas day we always make it now christmas uh, tradition. Every Christmas we go to the beach and put our feet in the sand and chill out on the beach for a while just because we can. So it's one of those fun things. That sounds really, really nice. And I could definitely, it's supposed to snow here tomorrow, which means oh, come all on down, St. Louis. Room. What's that? <laughs> come on down. We've got room for you. <laughs> I might take you up on it. <laughs> uh, I just, I was just, uh, I was just uh, well, actually, let me start. Stuff. So Pete is a professional photographer um, he also works for Canon and their printer division, right? Yes, large format printer division. Large format printer division. So if you have any questions about printers, Pete's the guy to go to. We're not. I, I don't want to talk about start talking about printers, but I want to get there. But okay. Pete, you've been a photographer for many, many years. Uh, mm-hmm. Also been in in my travels with him. Uh, was a judge in print competition and um, just a great guy. Um, super knowledgeable. And um, it definitely always been one of those friendly faces in the crowd. Your your PayPal funds should be there right now. For <laughs> yeah. So one of the places that I wanted to start talking to you about with, and I use these podcast episodes as my like information highway, <laughs> is next week I'm – so we haven't talk, spoken in a while and, and I've started shooting again and – um, one of the places that I'm focusing on is sports and and volume photography because, you know, when I sat down and being in business for many many years, what do I want to focus on? And I, I, I'm not going to shoot weddings ever again. I'm I'm done with that. And I keep saying ever <laughs> ever again, and I know it's on the horizon. But I've never really shot any kind of live sports, other than about 18 years ago, I shot the Notre Dame NC State bowl game with a buddy of mine who worked for the AP and uh, it was a ton of fun. It was actually uh, Philip Rivers' last uh, NC State football game. Oh, well, I photographed Um, him when he played in college too at State. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. So, and and I've always enjoyed sports. So I'm kind of gravitating toward that. So last week or this, I'm sorry, on Monday, um, and that's what prompted me to be like, hey, you need to come on the podcast. My local school, I've gotten involved with helping them with sports and stuff like that. And they asked me to shoot a triple header basketball game at the high school. And I'm coming to you now as your friend. <laughs> what advice can you offer? Let's start with, let's start, let's break it down though. Let's start. So what does my prep look like? So it depends on the sport. So which, which sport are we looking at? Basketball? basketball. So every sport's a little different. You know, your approach in terms of your gear, uh, your angle, the prep, all of that changes for every single sport. I started doing sports like in the mid 80s, weirdly. Uh, and then in the mid 90s, when I started my business, I was actually 100 uh, percent college and pro sports and said I would never like you. I said, I'll never shoot a wedding. I'll sell my soul before I shoot a wedding. <laughs> and I got tired of being broke because. If you know anything about sports photographers, there's not a lot of money in it. Uh, it, it you do sports photography for the passion. It. Yeah. Uh, so I started doing weddings and portraits, weirdly, because my wife hated her job that she'd have been in for seven years. And she came to me and said, one day crying, what, what can I do to get out of the job? And I jokingly said, well, I could teach you photography and we could become a husband and wife wedding photography team. <laughs> 
totally joking. <laughs> but I'd thrown her a lifeline and she's like, okay, what do we need to do? Well, I'd be the biggest jerk in the world if I pulled that line back. Yeah. So thus the fact I was birthed into wedding and portrait photography, but I never stopped shooting sports. Uh, but weirdly, like most of my friends, like you that met me after I'd started shooting weddings and portraits, only knew me from weddings and portraits because I was posting mostly that kind of stuff, but I was always shooting the sports and that was kind of the beginning. So it, it's, it's kind of, you're gearing up and prepping for a game is kind of like the difference between gearing up and prepping for a wedding uh-huh. or a senior portrait or an engagement session. Every time you do something, the gear you take and what you're going to do is slightly different because it's a slightly different scenario. So, for basketball, the main thing for me is I'm always sitting floor level. Okay. Uh, and, and it's funny, like, I, man, I've shot in the last month, I've probably shot 30 basketball games. Well, that's, and, and that's what prompted me. I've been meaning to get you on the podcast, but then when this guy, when this person asked me, I'm like, who can I reach out to that I can talk to? <laughs> Tell me with this, and I'll bring him on the podcast too. And and your name immediately popped into my head. So before we get to the gear itself, and sh- right. no, actually, I want to start with the gear, and then I want to get to the shooting itself. So okay. I have a Mark III. Mm-hmm. That's the best camera that I that I own. I think for sports. Um, and you know, I see. My question was is like the other day I saw you post your you were at the game, and I saw that you had like a three hundred, and uh, Don't I think have a seventy two hundred. What? I don't have a 300. I've got it was, a 400. It was a very big lens. <laughs> yeah, that's the 400. <laughs> okay, I, I, 400. There's, times, there's times I wish I had a 300. I sold my 300 and and got a 400 uh, just so I had more reach for the longer sports and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I shoot with a 70 to 200 and a 400 for most of the sports that I'm shooting. Okay, so, so th- those are your go-to lenses for the sports would yes. be the 400. And I'm just trying to understand how it just seems like the 400 is great for football, but I'm trying to understand the 400 for basketball. Is that shooting all the way across the court? So, yeah. So basically okay. what I'm doing, if you, if you were to watch me shoot, my 400 is on a monopod, obviously, because, you know, I'm not built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I can't handhold that thing. <laughs> uh, it's on a monopod and I'm sitting Indian style, which I've got terrible knees. Uh-huh. Is, that, is it politically correct to say Indian style? anymore can you say that <laughs> or is it crisscross applesauce crisscross yeah, applesauce is probably the way so <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting however you guys want to say it politically correctly because <laughs> i don't want to offend anybody but i'm sitting that way and i put the foot of the monopod under my right knee and when the action is close to me i lay it down across my left knee so the Monopod's going across me and the lens just kind of drops. Uh-huh. Uh, and so my legs are kind of anchoring that lens and I handhold the 70 to 200 uh-huh. when they're, when the action's close to me. Okay. And as soon as they go to the other side of the court, when they're on the far end, I set the 70 to 200 down quickly and just scoop my 400 up. And now I can shoot defense on the other end. So it's like, Right now, it, it depends on whether I'm shooting the game where I don't, I'm not like dedicated to one team. I'm just shooting the entire game, focusing on both teams, or if I'm working for a specific team. 
So if I'm working for a specific team, I'll switch ends in between halves. So I, I'm on the same offensive side as that team both halves. Right. Uh, but if I'm shooting the game where I'm covering both teams, I'll stay on one side. So I shoot one team on offense on one half, one team on offense on the other half, and then I've got them on defense on the other half. Mm. So the basic setup is either a 300 or a 400 for the far end for defense, then a 70 to 200 on the close end for offense. And then a lot of times I'll actually have a remote camera mounted behind the backboard shooting through the glass hmm. uh, with a trigger remote mounted to my knee. So, and for that, what I'm using is actually a guitar pedal, like an on-off switch guitar pedal <laughs> that's, sit, that's strapped to my leg. The cord goes from that to a pocket wizard. And that pocket wizard is remote triggering the camera, the pocket <laughs> wizard mounted to the camera. So... I'll be with my, and I'm showing you my hands, but with this hand, I'll be shooting with my 70 to 200 here. And on my left leg, I'll have that pocket wizard or the guitar pedal. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, all I have to do is slap my knee. And when I slap my knee, it triggers the camera shooting through the glass. So I'll literally get the shot two different ways at the exact same time. I'll be shooting with the 70 to 200 getting floor level. And then when I slap my knee and hit that, the pedal, on my on my knee, it shoots through the glass into the uh, uh, through the glass into the actual action. I've, and I've done that to where I've mounted cameras up in the rafters and had them shooting straight down at the basket or uh, across the court at the basket. So there's just different ways you can kind of get creative. It depends on what kind of access you have, how much room you have, things like that. What is uh, what are you using to mount the camera on behind the uh, backboard? So I use a super clamp uh, and I can show you on camera thinking, yeah, super, you'll be able to see it. I use, let me pull one off here. So I use super clamps. Okay. Again, nobody can see it except for you, but super clamp is uh, a super clamp. Yep. So I use two super clamps and two magic arms. Ah, okay. Uh, Cause I want two anchor points. I want Uh an, if you have just one, uh, the magic arm, the nice thing is you kind of articulate it to where you want. And then as soon as you turn the knob, it locks. It's not moving. But every time the ball hits it, it's vibrating. Yeah. So if I if I anchor it in two different places and have two arms coming together to a central point, there's less vibration. But then the most important thing is anything that I mount like that is tethered. So there's a tether cord, safety tether cord, that's going from the camera and all those magic arms to something that can't fall. So if it works loose or something fails, it's not going to fall and hurt somebody and I'm going to get sued. Uh, and the same is th- like if I'm strobing a game and I've got lights mounted in the ceiling, Okay. everything that I mount in the ceiling has to be, and these are division one NCAA rules. Right. Everything I mount has to be tethered. And if they're separate things, like I have a tether running to the light and a tether running to my, uh, my, my super clamp as well. They're both tethered. So if the light falls off, uh, but comes loose from the super clamp, uh, but the super clamp's there, then it's not going to fall and hit somebody. Or if the whole thing falls off, so it's double tethered. Uh, same same with my camera. So oh, that's good advice. It, it it takes a little bit of time, but the biggest thing is you, you just got to think anything that could fall and hurt somebody. Yeah. You just you have to make sure it's secure so that it can't. Uh, especially, you know, we're we're in a society now where 
people will sue you for looking at them wrong. So it's just, well, you don't it, want to it, look like a jerk either and or, no. or hurt well, someone. Well, you know, there's a big thing. It's like if you come in and, and the way you do things, uh, if they see you taking extra precautions and extra steps, you're more likely to get invited back and asked yeah. back to photograph. Sure. And a lot of times, like if I'm not photographing for the team, I'm photographing for one of the newspapers that I freelance for. Uh, that team may see what I did and say, man, that was really cool. Hey, can we hire you individually to come cover a game for us? Uh, then those extra efforts end up paying off in additional gigs as well. So, you know, it's it's a little extra time, but you get some really killer shots when you do that kind of stuff, number yeah. one. Uh, and then number two, it's just it, it's that just security of doing things right and impressing the, the people that you're working for. Wow, that's, that's cool. I, I want to talk to you about so I have like three different questions now. So let's start with let's start with um, I want to talk to you about you using strobes, mm -hmm. and then I want to get to um, that. Well, let's start there. So you know, given with the quality of high ISO in our cameras these days, do you find it necessary to use strobes on a regular basis for D one games? I'm assuming, right? I mean. Um. I, the high school that I'm going to, it's it's our local high school. I mean, and they just did a huge renovation. It's bright in there. Mm -hmm. So, so yes and no. Ninety ninety nine percent of the time that I'm shooting college, high school, or professional sports, I'm not shooting strobe. It depends on what the images are going to be used for. Okay. So if a publication like if Sports Illustrated or USA Today or ESPN Magazine or one of those came to me and wanted to hire me to shoot, they're going to expect that I'm going to strobe because they want a crispness to a shot that you're only going to get in low I low IISO. Mm -hmm. uh, so to get that, you're going to strobe. So if you watch an NBA game, those games are always strobed, but yeah. you don't see it. So one of the things, NBA and college sports... Uh, they have a rule that your light has to have a an exposure of 1,000 watt seconds. Uh, and the reason, so a minimum of 1,000 watt seconds because TV doesn't register that. So if you've ever watched a game, there's strobes going off nonstop in NBA games, but you don't see it yeah. until there's a playback in slow motion. And if you've ever noticed, now now, now when you watch a, play, a replay in slow motion, you'll start <laughs> right. seeing strobes and you're like, yeah. Oh man, poof, poof, poof. And you, you don't even think about it, but it's like, oh, there's a lot of strobes going on there and you don't even see it during the play in full speed because the duration of the, the, the flash duration is so short at one, one thousandth of a second that you don't even see that. Uh, when you get into D3 sports and high school sports and things like that, you don't have to have that duration because it's not being televised. Uh, so at that point you can get away with a little bit weaker light or go with a stronger light but maybe dial it back to have speed for a quicker recycle time. Now, are you, and the answer is probably yes, but are you using the strobes for accent? Like, for example, backlight, you know, for rim light, stuff like that? Or you're just looking to, because the quality of light is just so much better. You're, you're basically just flooding the room. I mean, it's, the lights are so far away Basically, when I'm when I'm photograph when I'm strobing with basketball, I've got four lights mounted. One, I, I don't want to say in each corner, but uh, if 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 I can, what I want to do is put them to where they're up and maybe 
30 feet back on each side from the goal angled toward the goal. So it's almost like depending on where they are, they're almost backlit if you think about it, but right. it's, but at the same time, the lights are so far up that it's really kind of flooding the entire room. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and everybody kind of has a different way. So I, I, I put mine about 30 feet back from the goal if I can, and I angle it. So you're using what's called a sport reflector. So, you know, the cone that you, the silver cone or the aluminum cone that you have, uh, it's typical. I want to say, man, I can't even remember the angles. I'm not going to say angles because I know I'll say it wrong. But a standard cone is just what you see that comes with the light. A sports cone is wider, mm. almost like a beauty dish in terms of width. So it allows more light to flood out. So I I won't point the strobe directly toward the goal, but I'll feather it toward the goal. I'll really point the the light to the middle of the half of the court, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now my light is covering from half court to the goal. Huh. And then the brightest area is kind of right in the middle of everything right. on both sides all the way around. So I've got four lights. So I'm just really kind of, I'm throwing a light bomb out there and knowing that now every shot I take is going to have a lot of light. Uh, sometimes, honestly, I don't like a strobed look as much because you get weird shadows cast down on the floor that are mm. much more, I mean, you're going to see light, you're going to see shadows on the floor no matter what, because the lights are coming from up above, but now it's so much stronger light that you've got a really hard shadow. Uh, and now you'll see more shadows here cast mm. from the brow and things like that. So, you know, your best shots now are like when they're looking up at the basket and their heads tilted toward the light, uh, you know, so you're really feeling there. But if they, if it, if they got their head tipped down, their face will go dark because the light's being blocked by the back of their head. So there's just different things. I mean, there's a lot of times where you get a really great action shot, but the way their head was angled, they didn't get good light on their face. Whereas if you're shooting ambient and you're not shooting strobe, well, that ambient light, it's you know a lot better, even though it's still coming from above. You know, When you're metering for the entire place, now you're kind of getting a nice even light. And, you know, I... The ISO on these cameras are so good. Yeah, I, I'm shooting anywhere from 6,400 ISO to 12,000, uh, 12,800 ISO shooting uh, high school sports now. Uh, when I do the high school stuff, because their lighting's not quite as good. When I shoot college sports, man, I'm usually 1,600 to 3,200 ISO because their lighting is just so good. Uh, but you know, I, I'll shoot the the high school basketball at you know 10 12,800 ISO and it looks really really good it's the one thing I can tell you if you're a portrait or a wedding photographer or well portrait in particular a sports photographer has to do something that is going to feel very unnatural you don't shoot sports in raw you shoot sports in JPEG. This is the next question I was going to tee you up and okay. ask. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm a raw shooter. If somebody says, what should I shoot? Are you raw or JPEG? Raw, raw. I, I'm preaching raw all day long because typically I'm thinking of being able to blow images up and having you know that bit depth and all that color and all that stuff. But I, I can only speak to Canon cameras, but I'm assuming it's true for all of them noise reduction that's built into cameras only applies to JPEGs, not RAW. 
There's no noise reduction for RAW. RAW is just catching everything. There's no filters or anything going in. It's giving you a RAW file for which you afterwards have to run other things to remove the noise. Well, post-production RAW is not as good as in-camera RAW redu uh, noise reduction. So it's one of those, if you're shooting sports and you're going to be shooting high ISO, if you put your camera in JPEG and you go into your camera settings and turn the noise reduction on, you can really hone it into where, man, I've shot 25,600 ISO and it looked creamy without a spot of noise in it. There's, um, if you go on YouTube, there's a guy named Peter Reed Miller. He's a famous sports photographer. He's a Canon Explorer of Light. He's absolutely amazing. And he has a great sports photography channel on YouTube. And he literally takes his camera, turns it to the, turns the menu to the back of the camera and walks you through every setting you need to turn on in your camera to get proper noise reduction. Huh. Uh, and he goes through anti-flicker. So anti-flicker is something you deal with with high school lights as well because their lights recycle. And if you've ever photographed like a high-speed sequence and you notice every one is a different color, that's because the lights are cheap and uh, the color is changing in between. So you'll have a magenta light and then a blue light and a, and a, a yellow colored shot, all three back to back, and they're terrible. Well, if you put your camera on anti-flicker, you don't get that. You get the same color all the way across. So, But his channel walks you through step by step the proper settings for your camera. And even if your Nikon or Sony or one of those the settings oh, might be in a different place and they may have a slightly different name, but it's still kind of the same settings. Uh, and, you know, and he even covers, and it's true, if you shoot RAW plus JPEG, somebody says, well, can I shoot RAW plus JPEG? If you're shooting RAW plus JPEG, the RAW settings override the JPEG settings. The JPEG at that point just becomes a capture of the RAW file. Yeah. So your noise reduction settings aren't on for that raw file uh, or for the JPEG. So well, it, I never it, knew that. It, That's it, good to know. It, it's kind of one of those weird things. It's like, man, I, what if I get a really killer shot that could be the cover of sports illustrated or whatever? I'd want that to be in raw. Yes. I personally would want that to be in <laughs> raw, but then, you know, man, I, I have experienced it firsthand. I shot a, a sporting event in raw and no matter what I did, no matter how many noise reduction programs I've run it through, like Topaz Denoise, AI Denoise is spectacular. But if I shoot it raw at 25,600 ISO, no matter what I do, I cannot get the noise to make that clean. And it just gets splotchy and weird looking. I could shoot the exact same image, JPEG only with noise reduction in my camera, and it's almost flawless looking. So it's just it's just one of those weird things that sports you just you get in you nail your exposure and you rock and roll. Right. 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 So, so and and I'll press you we'll put a link to to that guy's YouTube uh show and and maybe I'll try and get him on the podcast as well if you could hook me yeah, up he's with awesome. him. Um so that would that would be super helpful as well. Um so okay, I've got the uh, lighting down. I've got an idea of what I'm going to shoot with, although I don't own a 400 or so anyway, I'll figure it out with the lenses. <laughs> um, and talk to me about, I'm now I'm, I'm working for the high school coach. Mm -hmm. And for me, in this case, this is really me about developing a rapport and, 
and I've talked about this in previous episodes. For me, it's about um, developing relationships with coaches for the sports stuff. Like this guy's the high school coach and he's, he's agreed to, um, he does some of the middle school programs and he's going to let me do the, the team photos for that. And this Mm -hmm. is kind of my way of, of getting in his good graces. And, and he just texted me and, and said, you know, Hey, can you, I have a triple header coming up. It's all, it's freshman, sophomore varsity. Really love for you to shoot the varsity. Um, or any combination of it. And I text him back and I was like, I'm there for all of it. And um, what, uh, what, what shots does this high school coach want from me? Because so, this, as a client, what, what, what does he want from me? Because it's different than what the newspaper would want probably. Right. So let me preface, you don't need the 400 or 300 to shoot basketball. <laughs> it, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll t- I mean, look, when I shoot, especially in high school sports, the only people shooting that have a 300 or a 400 are me and the newspaper guy that's covering it. Everybody else there is with a 70 to 200. Some are sitting there with a nifty 50 or whatever, and they're getting fine shots. Uh, it, it's it's really overkill. If you've got a 70 to 200, you've got all you need in the yeah. world. You're, you're golden. Uh, if, if I'm you, though, and I don't have that 70 to, or I don't have a 300 or 400, uh, I'd put my 24 to 70 to 8 on as a second one. Just so, hey, I can run over and shoot some timeouts and some huddles and things like that where my 70 to 200 is too much. So if I'm shooting a high school or a JV or a middle school or any kind of basketball tournament, key things to remember. Warm-ups are your friend. So I'm going to go to the coaches in advance and say, hey, if you have any players that probably aren't going to play, especially if it's a game where you know it's going to be a competitive game, and they're going to keep their like if they got a bench that's twelve deep, but they've got eight players that they cycle through, and there's two or three kids that you know they just don't they don't get to play in certain games. I go to the coach and say, "Hey, coach, during warmups, the players that aren't probably going to see any playing time, can you have them warm up without a sweatshirt or without a jacket on? Warm up in their playing stuff, and oh, then man, make sure I good advice and make sure I know who they are. So now while they're warming up. I get shots of them taking layups, taking jump shots, dribbling the ball around. And now, you know, mom and dad have have a picture of their kid in his uniform on the court, laying the ball up, dribbling. And you're going to crop it tight so you can't tell. But he's handling the ball and he's not just standing there right. static and things like that. So, you know, that that's a big Man, thing. That is to such me. a great piece of advice. You know, that, I do Thank that. You. I shoot a lot of JV sports for that reason because JV kids never get covered at all. They don't <laughs> get photographed at all. Everybody's <laughs> focused on varsity. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go photograph the JV kids. And if you're photographing for money, that's a gold mine because those parents are so excited that their kids are in high school now. They're playing a high school sport. You're going to be the first images they have a chance to buy. If mm. you hit them early, <laughs> you know. Sure. But uh, the same thing. I'm going to go to the coaches and say, hey, you know, just let me know who's not going to play. Have them, you know, warm up in regular uniform with nothing on top, and I can get those shots. And that's that's going to be invaluable to them. Uh, during action, obviously, you're going to shoot all the action that's happening. During action, I, I tell everybody, your, your inclination, especially when you're first starting, everybody's inclination is when the play, as soon as the play ends, they want to look at the back of their camera and see if they got the shot. <sighs> 
some of your best shots happen when you're looking at the back of your camera right afterwards. It's the celebration shot, the roar and the yeah, you know, those shots. It's like when the when the play ends and you hear the whistle blow, give it a two or three beat and keep your eye honed in just in case something else happens. My favorite shot of the year so far, I was photographing this really amazing basketball team and I was honed in on the best player on this team and he was uh, he was dribbling across the baseline and the whistle blew. So the play was dead and he kept on going and jumped up in the air and took the ball between his legs and and looped it up in the air for like just a layup. But because I stayed with him and followed him, I got him jumping up in the air, passing the ball between his legs. Mm. And I'm, it, it, it's a shot where typically I would have been looking at the back of my camera if I had just, okay, stop right. at the whistle. But because I shot through the end, I got that. Or the, again, the, 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 the roaring shots or the happy shots or the scrum on the floor right. diving right. for the ball. A lot of times those are shots that happen after the whistle is blown where everybody's looking at the back of their camera sure. and it's, you know, you got, you got the shot because you didn't. Right. Uh, and then coaches, if you're, especially if you're photographing for the coach, at least once when they call a timeout, if you can hop up, run around behind the bench and get a photograph of the team huddled around him. Yeah. Cause, and, and from behind the bench, it's great because the players that are on the bench are seated and the players that are on the floor are standing around behind the coach. So you get this great shot where you're shooting over the shoulders of the seated players. Mm -hmm. And then you get the coach in the middle and he's surrounded by the standing players and you can do what's called giraffing where you've got, you're not really looking through the camera, but you're holding it up, sure. pointing it down with a wide angle. Yeah. Or you could do what's I, I call it fish on a stick uh, where I'll put a fish eye or a super wide angle on my camera uh, put my camera on a monopod and I'll have a trigger and I'll just trigger remote it mm -hmm. with it out above and get some really cool angles and perspectives um, that way to give you some really cool shots. That's man. I knew you were the right person to talk to. So this is, this is such, such amazing advice. And, and I, and, and I really appreciate you sharing yeah, absolutely. your knowledge with me. We're, we're, we're at 31 minutes now, but I, I, you know, I definitely want to take a few minutes talking sure. about new technology. Let's let's move away from from this basketball stuff, uh, and talk. You're in the large print, large format division, and I know there's been a lot of really great uh, things that have come down the pike as far as printers are concerned. And I guess my question to you would be, you know, for someone like me, is why am I adding a large format printer to my repertoire and spending the money on doing that? Talk me into it. So, you know, the biggest thing for me is if you, if you walk into buying a printer, you don't have some level of a solution or idea in your mind, then you probably shouldn't be buying a printer. Okay. Uh, I mean, you really need to kind of come into it already with some ideas of what you're going to use it for mm -hmm. and what you're going to do with it. Like if somebody says, I'm buying a printer just to print for print competition. Well, unless you're entering just an absolute crap ton of print competition images, mm -hmm. it's not going to pay for itself. But sometimes those people aren't necessarily looking for a profit center. They're looking for control of the quality of what their outputs are for okay. print competition. Uh, from a profit standpoint, you know, the biggest thing I tell everybody is, 
don't just look into the main thing that you came into it for in terms of, okay, well, I just want to be able to print wall portraits for my clients. Start looking and thinking of other things that you can use the printer for. I mean, a lot of photographers I know, they actually print for other photographers, uh -huh. which becomes a really, you're almost a lab at that point, but you become, a, it becomes another profit center for you. Um, I, you know, a lot of photographers I know actually do printing for the schools, posters, banners, signage. Right now, a lot of the a lot of the printing photographers I know, when COVID hit and everything was shut down, so they couldn't shoot, so there was nothing for them to print. Uh, they actually made really good money printing because when all the COVID regulations came out, all the businesses, all the schools needed signage. And they're like, we have a software called uh, Poster Artist Light. It's a free software. And we've got over 100 templates specifically to the regulations of wearing a mask, washing your hands, things like that. We've got them done. They're free. So our photographers or business owners that already had the printers that were sitting idle, they started going to businesses saying, hey, do you need signs for your business? Do you need things for your door that says mask required? Do you need a sign that says water fountains closed down, wash your hands, six feet apart, stand here? All, all that was done. So they were able to approach these businesses and say, I can print your signage. And, and businesses were looking for where do I go to get this done? Because they don't have the resource to create it. And places that were, man, there was a company that was selling arrows, the arrow that says stand six feet apart. <laughs> They were selling them for 60 bucks each or something crazy. I mean, it was some insane amount. It costs pennies to make these things yourself. I mean, they're just so inexpensive to print. So, you know, the when this all started happening, some businesses were taking advantage of the fact that it was hard to find signage out there, and they were just raking people, people over the coals. I mean, they were really taking advantage of the situation. I mean, good for them. I mean, it's a, it was yeah, a buyer's yeah. market, right? Yeah, supply uh, and demand. But, but when other when other businesses like photographers that were sitting idle said, this is a profit center for me, they were able to approach all these businesses. I mean, literally, if you went to a store to go buy groceries and you noticed they didn't have any signage, you could say, hey – you know, I print. I, I, I'm a printing company. You, all of a sudden, you're not a photographer. I'm a printing company. I print COVID signage. Do you need anything? And leave a card. If you see restaurants that have a – I mean, I can't tell you how many restaurants I talk to. Just as a Canon rep, I would go up to them and say, hey, you know, you're open, and people are looking for restaurants that are open right now, but nobody knows you're open because you have no signage on the outside yeah. saying it. And I'd say, I'll print you a banner for free, free of charge. I'm happy to print – because I just wanted places to eat. And the places that were opening, I was like, please stay open. I needed them to get business so they would stay open. So It's like your, your own banner, signage. Yeah, I'm like, look, I will print you a banner for free if you'll hang it so you get business so you'll stay open so I can eat. Oh, that's hilarious. Because I got tired of cooking, man. <laughs> so, But, yes. you know, things like that, you know, coming up with fundraisers for schools. I mean, the, a lot of photographers, they're, they're printing the bumper stickers uh, like – their school logo or the sport or my kid goes here, they print those stickers and you know, and it's an add-on. It's like, okay, well, and, and all those stickers are things you can print on your printer. And it's like, okay, well, 
if I'm doing school photography or volume photography, a quick add-on is, hey, for $5 extra, you can have that. My kid is a whatever student or a basketball or whatever. And it could either be an add-on or it can be a school fundraiser where you sell the sticker to this school for a buck and the school sells it for five bucks. Well, the sticker okay. costs you 18 cents. So you're still making a good profit sure. when they're buying five or 600 of them and the school's making a huge profit. So it, it's however creative you could possibly get if you think of the printer as a one-dimensional item in terms of something that I only bought it to do wall portraits or I only bought it to print four by sixes and five by sevens, that's all it's ever going to amount to. But if you get creative in looking for other ways to use it as a tool, okay, you know, it's, it's like, look, the hammer when it was first invented was just a ball on both sides, but eventually somebody threw a claw on it because now, hey, we got a tool that has two different things it can do. It can hammer it in and pull the nail out. So that makes sense. And, and, you know, that, that, that totally goes in line with, you know, you know, being able to get prints done fairly quickly through all of the labs that are out there. Mm -hmm. Like Miller's lab who sponsors this podcast. We love Miller's. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You can get prints quickly, but that advice is also like such sage advice because a printer is a great thing to have, but it really should have more than one use than just printing you know, something like, you know, just your regular images that you don't have to rush or anything like that. So that's really good advice. All right. I think we're going to we're going to stop there. And I think I want to do and I need to think about where we would go with the large format printers, because I think that's that's a whole episode in itself. But um, I needed to get this information from you on how to shoot the <laughs> basketball game. So that's more important. So we're going to, we're going to, I think you're going to be one of our first repeat guests because um, I do like to keep these around 30 minutes and we're at 40 now. So nope, um, sorry. dude, uh, what's that? I said, sorry about that. I'm a no, talker. no. And, and, and I know that somebody at some point will, will, be able to listen to this because they're going to have to shoot a basketball game or or sporting event and they're a wedding and portrait photographer which is probably most of this audience so anyway dude it, it is so awesome to catch up with you yeah, and um, I'm glad that you're doing well down there and, and you're you're getting through this pandemic and and we went through this entire episode with really not talking too much about the pandemic which is great and um, I'm you know again um just thanks so much for being on something new every week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to seeing you in person in the very near future, hopefully. Gosh, from your mouth to God's ears. So <laughs> anyway, okay. All right. Thanks, Pete, for being on this week's episode of Something New Every Week. Thanks again for tuning into Something New Every Week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do enjoy these episodes, I love it if you hit that subscribe button on however you're listening to this. Again, we want to thank our sponsor, Miller's Lab, millerslab.com. Great company. If you're not familiar with them, you should go check them out. Thanks again for tuning into something new every week. We will see you back here next week.